verse 50. the word of God. The son of man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table, and behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus, answering, said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, Say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, The one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've got this Pharisee named Simon. He invites Jesus to eat dinner with him at his home which sounds a lot like hospitality, or at least like the beginnings of hospitality. Uh, but is it hospitality? Is it real hospitality? Is it, is it the kind of hospitality that might spring from a grateful heart? Jesus accepts the invitation. We get all of this in verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at table, which is really simple, it's straightforward enough, but already Luke is giving us a troubling clue that maybe things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. Because notice, Jesus enters the home and he immediately reclines at the table. And th that moves way too quickly. In that day, there was, there was more expected to express a real welcome of a guest. The custom would have been for Simon to uh, greet Jesus with maybe an embrace a kiss on the cheek, and then to offer Jesus water and oil to wash up before the meal. You don't want to eat with your hands dirty. You don't want to eat unanointed. And then eventually, after some mixing and mingling, the hosts and the guests, they would recline at table together for a meal. But Simon doesn't extend any of these courtesies to Jesus, which raises the question, why not? Why not? 
Like, why isn't Simon able to welcome Jesus? We'll come back to that. But now this woman comes in, and she approaches Jesus, and she's weeping. And when she gets to Jesus, she falls down at his feet, and she lets down her hair, and she begins to wash Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. And then she's kissing his feet, and she's anointing his feet with ointment. And who is this woman? Well, Luke tells us that she is a woman of the city, which is probably a euphemism. Uh, it's not, behold, a woman of the city, as in, check this out, here's a woman from Richmond instead of Henrika. No, uh, it, it's not, she lives in Richmond, not out in the country, not in Goochland. This is, this is more like a woman of the city, right? A woman you'd only find in certain parts of the city, maybe on certain corners of the city. It's a polite way of indicating how she made her living. She was known to be a sinner by Simon and by the Pharisees. And she lets her hair down for Jesus, which was scandalous. Jewish women in Jesus' day would never be seen in public with their hair let down. A Jewish bride would only let down her hair for her husband on the very night of their wedding, for the first time. For the first time you see your, your wife with her hair let down on the night of your marriage. And here she is letting her hair down for Jesus, and she's wetting his feet with her tears, and she's massaging oil into his feet, and she's kissing his feet. And it's, it's like almost too much to take uh, because it's so raw and intimate and vulnerable, what she's doing. And Jesus doesn't stop her. That might be the most amazing thing of this whole passage is that he doesn't stop her. And I wonder if you would have stopped her. I wonder if I would have stopped her. Um, like, say, no, like, get up. Stop doing that. That's inappropriate. That's wrong. You, you, this, that's the wrong setting for anything close to this. I mean, what she's doing is, is crossing so many social boundaries. And, and I wonder if we would have been able to welcome that woman. I wonder if we would have been able to extend hospitality to her. The word hospitality doesn't appear in our passage, but I think this is a story about hospitality and the lack thereof. The Greek word for hospitality that appears in the New Testament is philoxenia, literally love for strangers. That's what it means to be hospitable. It means to love strangers. When you and I think of hospitality today, too often we think of entertaining guests, right? Like what comes to mind is often, in the words of Henry Nouwen, tea parties, bland conversation, and a general atmosphere of coziness, right? That's hospitality. But in biblical times, and for most of church history, hospitality had this moral dimension. It was about welcoming people and caring for people, providing for their needs, people who are very unlike us. It was about bringing people into your home and, and giving them food and shelter and safety. It was about loving strangers, outsiders, people far off, people on the margins. So a stranger has arrived at the party, an uninvited guest, a woman of the city, and, and she begins to do things that would have felt just extremely uncomfortable and awkward 
for everyone in the room. Almost everyone in the room. Because Jesus doesn't appear to be awkward or, or feeling uncomfortable at all. He just lets it happen. He doesn't stop her. Jesus welcomes the stranger. He receives what she gives. And what is it that she gives? This is interesting. Because what, what Luke shows us in this story is that as Jesus is welcoming her, she's welcoming him. Like Jesus is carving out a place of welcome for her, and, and she's doing the same for him. Jesus is, and, and Jesus is welcoming her welcome of him. He receives it. He receives her. We see this in verse 44. Look again. Jesus turns to Simon, and he says, You gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. See, the point is that the woman is giving Jesus the welcome that Simon should have given, but he didn't. Do you see that? Um, she wasn't even invited to this party, but she's giving Jesus the reception that the host withheld. She's, she's showing Jesus the hospitality that Simon should have showed, but didn't show. She's loving the stranger who is Jesus. So the story is about hospitality, and it shows us two very different ways to welcome Jesus. There's Simon's way, which is like, it's almost intentionally withholding, isn't it? It's, it's almost like Simon is trying to be discourteous because surely he knew how to properly welcome a guest, and he's, he's not doing it. There's no warmth. It's like he's interested in Jesus, interested at least enough to let Jesus into his home, uh, but he doesn't really want Jesus there with him. He doesn't care about Jesus enough to extend even the, the most basic hospitality to him. And then there's the way of this woman, which is, I mean, it's unguarded. It's, it's so intimate. It's vulnerable. It's risky. It's, it's, it's utterly unconcerned with what others might say. And I wonder what makes the difference. Like, why does Simon respond one way and the woman responds completely differently? Like, why isn't Simon falling down at Jesus' feet and weeping and anointing him with oil? Why is the woman willing to risk everything and Simon's not willing to risk anything? Gratitude. Did you forget we're in a gratitude deep dive? Gratitude. That's the difference. That's another word that doesn't appear in our story, but the story is about gratitude as much as it's about hospitality. Um, this becomes clear when Jesus shares a parable. He says this. He says, A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? It's a pretty straightforward parable. 
Uh, two people owe a debt to the same lender. One is what would have been about in the ballpark of two months uh, worth of wages. And so just imagine how much do you make in two months? And now imagine you owe that money to someone else. The other owes what would have been in the ballpark of about closer to two years worth of wages. And so imagine, you know, call to mind, how much do you make in two years? Two years of working. And now imagine owing all of that money to someone else. Even harder to pay off, right? I mean, maybe for a lot of us, impossible to pay off, at least in any timely kind of way. So in the parable, neither debtor is able to pay the debt, and the lender just cancels both debts. And the point that Jesus seems to be making is, is simple but pretty profound. Like, if you know that someone has canceled your debt, the most natural response to that is gratitude. And what flows out of that gratitude most naturally is love. And if you know that your debt was really big, well, you're filled with a lot of gratitude. And what flows out of that is a lot of love. And so what Jesus has done is something that he so often does when he tells parables. He has worked his audience into this little story. This is a story about Jesus and Simon and the woman. He's saying, Simon, do you know why this woman receives me and loves me like this? It's because she has a grateful heart. You remember that George Herbert poem we read on week one of this this, this heart just pulsing with gratitude. Not, not grateful here and there, every now and then, but just a heart beating out gratitude. Um, like, she understands herself to be the recipient of an incredible gift that can't be taken away. She knows her life is a mess. She knows how desperate she is. She knows that there's no way she could ever pay back what she owes. And she also knows that it's all forgiven. She trusts that God is not like holding it over her head. She trusts that Jesus really is a friend of sinners. Um, she has a big view of her sin, but she has an even bigger view of God's gracious forgiveness and welcome. And so her heart is just pulsing with gratitude. And, and Jesus is saying, what about you, Simon? Why doesn't your heart just beat out gratitude like that? Maybe you don't see the gift. Maybe you haven't received the gift like this woman has. Maybe you think that your debt, if there is a debt at all, is just a tiny debt, a little two-month debt, not a really big debt. It's like, how can we be grateful for a gift that we can't even see? Or how can you be grateful for a gift that you don't even think you need? It's like Jesus is saying, you will only ever love God to the extent that your heart is filled with gratitude, and you'll only have a grateful heart to the extent that you see that he forgives you. Like, really forgives you. He receives you. He welcomes you. He's not... He's not holding your sin against you. Welcome to people. Welcome people. 
people who see and receive the gift of God's forgiveness and God's gracious welcome of them, um, they're eager to share that with others. And, and so the woman offers Jesus the hospitality and the welcome that Simon cannot give, not because she was welcomed and Simon wasn't, not because she was forgiven even and Simon wasn't, but because she saw the gift and Simon didn't. Or she received the gift and Simon wouldn't. She loves much because she has a grateful heart and she has a grateful heart because she sees and receives the gracious debt-canceling welcome of Jesus Christ. Welcomed people, welcome people. There's an invitation here for us, family, to be like this woman in our welcome of Jesus, to receive Jesus like this woman receives Jesus. You know, far too often my own inclination is to try to relate to Jesus in kind of a dignified, respectable way, a way that maybe has one eye on Jesus but also an eye on everyone else in the room, you know, concerned about what they might say, what they might think. Um, and, and so in that way, too often, I'm like Simon. I'm okay with Jesus in the house. But I'm not going to have an ugly cry. Right? I'm not going to like do anything awkward like fall at his feet and kiss them. And so speaking for myself, I can say that this woman puts my reception of Jesus to shame. And if that's true for us as a church, there's an invitation to repent. It's like a gracious invitation to repent and to just turn from our feeble, half-hearted worship to say, like, someone who loves us like Jesus does is, is worth everything. It's like, like, if we could, we should fall at his feet and kiss them. Welcome to people, welcome people. And so there's also an invitation here for us to be like Jesus in our welcome of strangers, in our welcome of people like this woman. And you can kind of just do a little check with your own heart. Like, how do you feel? How do you react when a promiscuous woman begins to kiss the feet of Jesus, to kiss his body, to massage oil into his skin. Does that strike you as wrong or as profoundly right? Like, are we scandalized or do we celebrate? And if Jesus welcomes and receives this woman like that, what does it mean for us? What does it mean for his body, the church? Like too often, far too often, people far from God see the church not as a gracious place of hospitality and welcome, but actually as a barrier between where they are and where Jesus is. And they have that perception, why? Because far too often, that's exactly what we communicate. That we, are, that we are a barrier. That we are against you. 
that we don't approve of how you're living, that we don't approve of the choices you've made. And so, yeah, of course, we want you to follow Jesus somehow, uh, but you better be ready to change and to do it really quickly. And Luke tells us that the Son of Man came eating and drinking, that that was his missionary strategy. And the religious people said, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, and oh, family, like, I wish they would say that about us. Friend of tax collectors and sinners. I don't know about that. I mean, no one uses that phrase anymore, but whatever the contemporary uh, analogy is, I wish they would say that about us. Like, Jesus did not go around looking for religious people who were concerned about their own morality. He went around extending the gracious hospitality of God to people who were way out there on the margins, the last, the least, the lost. Like, Jesus loved strangers. And so there's an invitation to welcome Jesus like the woman did, and there's also an invitation to welcome strangers like Jesus did. So to welcome Jesus and to welcome others. And you know, it turns out that those two welcomes are often one and the same. You know, so often in our minds, we think that like we relate one way to God and we relate another way to other people. And one of the, like part of the genius of the early church, and you, you can see this in the New Testament, is that there's just like, it won't, allow a division between love for God and love for neighbor. I mean, Jesus gets very explicit about it in Matthew 25 when he suggests that when we do things like visit prisoners and visit the sick and feed the hungry, um, we are in some mysterious way visiting Jesus himself and caring for Jesus himself. It's like we're actually doing it all for him. That's how closely Jesus identifies with the stranger. He says, he says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. So one of the ways we welcome Jesus is by welcoming others. Welcome to people, welcome people. There's an invitation also, for us to grow in our practice of grateful hospitality. It is something that needs to be practiced, I think. It's not something that you just suddenly wake up one morning knowing how to do. Um, so there's an invitation to practice and to experiment and to get better at throwing parties where everyone has a place and to grow more comfortable with having others in our home and, and to more and more see that like literally everything we have is intended to be shared for the benefit of others. I think we can start simple. Um, who, who will you eat with this week? Who will you share a table with this week? And could you expand that circle by just one? It's easy enough, isn't it? Just one. That's something really practical that we could all try this week. Eating with someone new. Expanding the circle of our table fellowship 
by just one. One of the things that's helpful when you want to grow in a practice like grateful hospitality is to look toward models, people who are exemplars of gracious hospitality. Um, I, this room is actually full of a lot of those people. I'm going to name some of them, and I do that not to make them feel awkward, and not, and I, and I'm not going to name all of you. So if I, you're not, if this is a short list. If you didn't make my short list, hope you won't be offended. <laughs> Doesn't mean you're not hospitable. Just means I'm not going to mention you, but uh, this is why I almost never do this, but I think I want to do this just to lift up, like, if you want to learn hospitality, uh, go talk to these people and say, teach me, teach me how to practice grateful hospitality. Bob and Wilma Andrews, will you raise your hand if on your first or second Sunday of attending Christ Pres, Bob and Wilma took you out to lunch? It's practically everyone in this room. Like, Bob and Wilma Andrews are exemplars of grateful hospitality. They're always having people over into their homes. They're not entertaining guests. They're just saying, come be a part of our lives. Um, the Christies. The Christies are wonderful exemplars of hospitality. Um, they're always gathering people in their backyards, people from all different walks of life, people who are strangers to one another. And over time, like, friendships are developing and forming. And uh, if you want to know how to practice grateful hospitality, like, talk to Tripper. Tripper is, is really a grill master. And that's, that's, that's another thing about um, hospitality. It's, it's often good to have food as part of it. Um, the Wibberleys. Like, these people are exemplars of grateful hospitality. Um, Libby and I, being so far from our family, have spent several Thanksgivings with the Wibberleys, and it's always just this amazing mix of people, a lot of international students, and um, the Wibberleys family, and then weird folks like us gathered around their table. The Woods, uh, David and Heather Wood, these are exemplars of hospitality. Um, Heather will be up here later talking, so I, I don't want to, she might share about some of what they do, but they're always welcoming people into their homes. And, and it, they're especially looking out um, for the stranger, folks who have come to this country from faraway places and are trying to find their way here. So um, the point is, we don't have to wonder, hmm, how would we do this? We could just talk to some of our brothers and sisters who are already doing it and who are doing it really well, and we could all learn from them. Welcome to people, welcome people. Welcome to people, welcome people. <laughs> and so as we move to this table, family, I remind you of how loved you are and how welcomed you are. And I invite you to see the gift again and to receive the gift again. Um, J. Gresham Machen says this. He says, if you want to find an instance of true gratitude for the infinite grace of God, do not go to those who think of God's love as something that costs nothing, but go rather to those who in agony of soul have faced the awful fact of guilt and sin and then have come to know with a trembling wonder that the miracle of all miracles has been accomplished and that the eternal son has died in their stead. 
if you want to if you want to see an instance of true gratitude don't go to someone who thinks that the love of god costs nothing but but instead be like the woman right see that your sin it's really it's, it's a real thing it's big it's severe and then see that the miracle of miracles has been accomplished and that the eternal son of god jesus christ has given his life for us and we are forgiven see that god holds nothing against you in christ like absolutely nothing see that with a grateful heart jesus welcomes you here and he invites us to welcome him so let's pray and then we'll eat